Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me today via Skype is my friend Michael Leboff. Uh, Mike, uh, it's uh, been quite a week for the Islanders. I'm not sure uh, what we're going to talk about today, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the, the last time they, they kind of went on a run like this. Not just winning games, but but the type of teams they beat, which uh, is kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's uh, It's been, I mean... By all by every stretch of the imagination, a pretty impressive uh, couple of weeks since the last time we talked. Uh, basically, they have played six games, won five of them, a couple of them on back to backs, uh, a couple of them against some real, real good teams. Uh, they won in Tampa, which was pretty impressive. Uh, one night after getting blown out in Dallas, but um, they beat Carolina once, lost to them, but you know played pretty well. Uh, Cam Ward kind of stood on his head. They played the Flyers twice, and I didn't even realize this before they went into those games that the Flyers had lost like five games in a row, and the Islanders made it seven by two overtime wins. Um, you know, you could kind of say they went back and forth, but they still beat them, mm-hmm. which is huge because they're Metro points. And then last night, they waltzed into Ottawa and uh, played pretty well and actually won a 2-1 game, which is something they hadn't done all season. Um 
But, you know, being Islanders fans, it's like, are these guys really good? Are they really lucky? Are they kind of hanging out, hanging by the you know skin of their teeth? I, I don't know. What, what what do you make of this little run that they're on right here? Uh, yeah, I think they're good. They're definitely good, and and they're exciting. They, sure, they might be a little bit lucky, but I think you know we tend to look at luck as basically you know PDO as like a surface level, and you know taking the save percentage and the shooting percentage overall. But what you got to realize is the Islanders, you know, top six forwards are guys who are going to who are like kind of built careers on shooting percentage. I know Jordan Everly's like last year went, was cut in half and that's kind of why everyone gave up to him, on him in Edmonton. And, and, you know, that's why we kind of got him. We were lucky. We were the benefactors of, of him shooting, you know, having poor puck luck last year. So, I mean, there's probably a little bit of luck on it, uh, you know, in it, but if you're a good team, you're going to, you know, create your own luck. I think, you know, looking back on when the Islanders were bad and just how many times you, you, you took, you looked at, watch them lose a game you're like they were a little unlucky well it's because they're bad you know the bad teams tended to do stuff like that so uh yeah i mean i think i think they're good and i and i i think you know i definitely should apologize i think i was a little bit you know tougher on doug Waite than i should have been and, and especially early in the year just some of the lineup decisions you know irked, irked the hell out of me and maybe uh you know kind of kind of painted him in a poor light in my own mind and and that that kind of pissed me off but uh you know, I think since then he's done a great job, and the system system definitely is working uh, with with what they got, and and you're seeing a couple players flourish in it, which is nice. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I'm glad you brought up a few things right now. Uh, I I should definitely apologize because uh, during that first Carolina game, I uh, tweeted out uh, in a uh, a message that had, I believe it was somebody told me it was uh, well, I did a the Isles blog podcast, and I was told it was I think 43 uses of the word hate in the in the tweet about how much I hate my team and uh they had blown a, a 3-1 lead to the Hurricanes in a by playing the worst period they had played in a long long time and uh since that tweet they are 6 and 1 they're 5 and 1 there so you go. uh I, yeah so I guess that was the secret um but yeah I mean I I think you know you talked about them being an exciting team uh I uh I I think I for myself and I wonder if there are other people out there that they kind of have to do this as well. I think we just have to adjust or I have to adjust my thinking as to just understanding that this is a very high event hockey team. They give up shots on goal. They score lots of goals. Um, Goaltending has been an issue for them. And we'll talk again in a little bit about that, but um, they're just, this is the way they are. They, they try to push the pace. Uh, Sometimes it's, to their benefit sometimes it's not so far so good you know they they are able to score essentially at will and and Andrew Ladd basically said as much I think after one of the Philly games where they basically said when they're down they never think of you know oh my gosh how are we going to score like they know they're going to go out there they can go out there and score and sure enough he Eberly and Matt Barzell combined for a goal and uh, I think that was the tying goal and then they ended up winning the game in overtime um, so Stats wise, so far in terms of uh, you know where they're at, uh, I'm on natural stat trick right now. Uh, Corsi four, they're 14th in the league, 50% Corsi four. Let's see, Fenwick four, a little bit lower, 18th in the league at 49.71, so just a little bit below 50%. Goals four, they're third in the league at 53 uh, overall. So I mean, they're able to put goals on the board, and like you said, I think. 
a lot of the sort of coursey problems that they're having you know if we want to get sort of granular about this comes from the fact that they've got two great lines they've got first line and the second line which i'm pretty sure now is basically eberly barzell and lad because i think they just work better together have been lights out and the two bottom lines have had problems uh, there was uh, the in the philly game of this i guess it was the first philly game i think it was uh beauvillier hosang and nelson were like 30 percent coursey as a unit <laughs> which is bad and they had a good game uh the second game they were they were a little bit better mainly because of hosang so you've got as, as garrick has called it a tale of two teams you've got this really good two lines and a really bad two lines. And I think that's kind of why they've dropped a little bit in the Corsi uh, standings, if you want to call them that. But um, yeah, it's just, they're, they're just a very exciting team to watch. And, you know, for you and I who get nervous about that kind of stuff, it can tend to be grating on the nerves and it makes you like hate them when they give up goals. But so far they've, they've been able to respond and, you know, it'd be nice to have to not respond and just sort of be good for an entire game. But I mean, I guess they're resilient is another way to put it. Yeah, I think like uh, I I think back to like once again like when they weren't when they weren't good when the Islanders were up you know three one, four two in the third period, you'd watch teams when they you know whether it was the Flyers, the Penguins, whoever it was, uh, and you were, you you just knew in the third period like they're probably going to come back and and we we you know it's like that whole we talk about it a lot that whole you know hold on for a point syndrome that we have and. And now it's kind of the other way around. Like when they when they were down two goals against the Flyers, I fully kind of expected them maybe not to tie and win the game, but to be in it and have the chance to and, and create enough chances to to do so. And uh, and and they did. It was it was, it was really weird. You know, it was, it's like like watching you know like just watch a completely different team every time Barzal's lines on the ice. ice it's something's happening. It's like it's crazy that the it, we we were joking around. I saw a bunch. Of his like offensive zone orbit the other day that, that he had that, that turned into the right who's it laddie ever finished it off and uh that was, that was like one of the best skating performances and like 10 second performances i've ever seen i mean to, to do that in in his own zone like there's not that much room in there and he's still uh, it was crazy and uh so now yeah. with players like like him and and the guy like everly who's a finisher it, and like on that line you got the perfect setup guy and and kind of space creator in in Barzal with with two with one guy who's who's a great finisher in Everly and then another guy who's got a good nose to wh- be where you know the puck is going to bounce to and finish as well in that and I think it's you know it's a great makeup for for a second line and, and kind of it's just like a one, line one B and so now you just you hope that on most nights that the first two lines are both clicking but if one of them isn't like the next whoever you know whatever one isn't clicking is going to step up you, you kind of fully expect them to. And uh, yeah. that's nice. Yeah, that that line, you know, when you put it that way, you can kind of see they almost function the same way as Bailey, Tavares, mm-hmm. and Lee, who we've seen now for the better part of a year. Um, you know, Tavares is kind of both finisher and passer, so yeah, he's he kind of doesn't really count. He's, 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 yeah. he's omnipotent. He's everything. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but, you know, Lee and, and Ladd have kind of the similar makeup. They're the net front guys. Uh, they're they're good around the the front of the net. Lad maybe slightly more deft a passer than Lee in in front, whereas Lee is more kind of like a large man who's hard to move, as we hear very often. Um, and you know Bailey too is is a little bit sort of like Barzell in that he can kind of you know hold onto the puck for a little bit and then find somebody in open space as he's done. Um, as of right now, the date is uh, November twenty sixth, twenty seventeen, at four forty one p.m. 
uh, both Josh Bailey, uh, well, Josh Bailey is uh, in the top 10 in points in the league. He has 28 points. Um, he's nine behind Steven Stamkos. Uh, Tavares is second in the league in goals at 15. He's three behind Alex Ovechkin. Uh, Bailey has 23 assists. That's good for third in the league. He's tied. Well, actually, he's second. He's tied with uh, Johnny Goudreau. And uh, I believe I saw that um, Nick Letty was uh, yeah. among the highest scoring defensemen in the league. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> that's so far. Oh, and obviously, uh, Barzell is either the leading scorer among rookies or the second leading, depending on what Brock Besser does today. Um, and he's just been phenomenal. I mean, the numbers almost don't even do barzell justice like you said every time he's on the ice it's it's like appointment viewing and when he went on that little tour of the ottawa offensive zone yesterday as brendan burke called it and led to that that goal that uh i guess uh, it's everly right everything everly is everly yeah it's that everly goal uh you know i saw at least like three tweets on my timeline all right back to back said barzell is ridiculous like that was they all said the same exact thing barzell is ridiculous so and he is and he's he's really i mean the fact that the islanders can send out two lines that can score is really, really something that's unique to them this year. We've never seen that in years or haven't right. seen that in years. And that's why it's funny to me. I and mean, we talked about this last time where it's funny to me that like, it's the bottom six that are almost causing the problems where, you know, you've got these two like 60% Corsi lines and you've got these two like 40% Corsi lines somewhere in the middle is where the team is going to end up. And uh, if they can straighten out that bottom six and, you know, hopefully again, Hosang can, he had a good game the other day and hopefully he can push things and, you know, Beauvillier, uh, he's still trying to figure things out. I don't think Quine or Prince are really the answer. Chimera, uh, we're not really going to talk about him. But, uh, you know, they just kind of need to straighten that stuff out. And I, I would feel a lot better about it. But until then, that's just going to how it's going to have to be. It's a high event, high scoring for both teams, hockey. Uh, and if Yaro Halak can, you know, use the game, the 1-2-1 win over Ottawa as a stepping stone to, you know, better performances, uh, I would also feel a lot better. Correct. Yeah. Like, so when, when you're playing that high event hockey, it's going to come down to, you know, who's, who's going to get the goaltending. And so if the Islanders are going to need to get it, uh, and they did yesterday and I guess, you know, a Senators team that, you know, maybe doesn't like, look like they should strike fear, but they've got some really good players and, you know, Mike Hoffman and Stone, Duchesne, obviously, and, and obviously Eric Carlson. So he, he, you know, he had a really good game. It was, it doesn't seem like, you know, there were many high danger scoring chances, but as we were saying in the last show that, you know, Halak's problems have kind of, he's kind of come undone in situations where, you know, he's looking at like a 95% chance of saving the puck and he doesn't, you know, those low danger chances. Uh, but yeah. I think, you know, like, like it's the, one of them, one of those goalies is going to have to step. Grice is still doing the same thing. You know, he's, he's just being Thomas Grice and, and giving the Islanders, you know, into the games almost. You know, he, it's like, it's like, all right, you know, I'm going to have to keep this, this score at three tonight or, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to, you know, step up, and, you know, keep it at two. And it's weird. Whereas Halak, you know, is a little bit more, um, you know, hit and miss and it's I think a situation where like we said last time too it's just that that's could end up being their downfalls if they don't uh get get the uh the performance that they need like I'm, I'm kind of having a little bit of agita about it and I've always been a Halak uh, apologist I've said the other day to a couple of people that you know I've, I have a Yara Halak problem you know like where I always I will defend him to, like to the death I, I've even before uh, you know, he was on the Islanders for some reason. He was just one of my favorite, you know, non-Islander goalies. I always liked the guy, and uh, now he's here. It's just, it, I, I probably uh, am, am a little bit too uh, too rosy on him, and, and need to kind of <laughs> take away that bias. But uh, you know, then you see what he did the other night, and you're like, see, this is what the guy can give you, and uh, just got to do it consistently. Yeah, the the uh, the Carolina game. I thought that was the sort of nadir of the whole 
Halak experiment because he looked really bad. Yeah, he's going up against Cam Ward, who somehow yeah. does that to the Islanders. <laughs> you know, he's the worst goalie in the league, right. and then he, and when he plays the Islanders, he does that. He's actually been a point of contention among uh, Canes fans because he's been great as a backup this year. And, you know, a lot of Canes fans are like, don't fall for it. It's a trap. You know, this guy, he is he should be the backup, and he should have great numbers as a backup because he's old now. And, and if you make him the starter – those numbers are going to disappear because he's going to be doing too much. Whereas Scott Darling as a starter hasn't really had that great a season. So uh, against the Islanders, you know, they were another statistic. Basically he came in and, and was phenomenal. And, you know, Yarrow got beat on a couple of goals that, you know, in looking back um, again to, to go back and almost apologize for something, he got beat on, on a couple of really, really hard um power play goals that would have been very, very difficult to stop. One, the, the pass was so fast across the zone that I'm surprised anybody saw it. And I think that was, I think Otto yeah. scored that goal. And then uh, there was another one that was just like, oh, really? Um, but there was one where he looked really, really bad and he just tried to get across the crease and he kind of didn't go down, but he didn't stay up either. And it just was like, what is going on? And it looked like he had kind of given up. Like he just did, did not look good. And the fact that the Islanders kind of ran the, the Hurricanes into their own zone the whole night almost – made up for it, but at the end of the day, they lost 4-1, to one and you know, couldn't really do much. It's also the second night of a back-to-back, so what are you going to do? But uh, yeah, I agree that they're going to need those guys, and you know, it's funny to say that Grice has played better when he's averaging, like I don't know, three or four goals a game, you know, but yeah. but he, he's out there, and he does what he can, and it's like, you have to watch the games, but it's he is trying, and he was the better of the two, but if they can get both of them working now, as intended, um, they'll be in much better shape. Yeah, and then, and that's like, like you said, that's that, that, <clears throat> that's the the kind of chemistry of the is that you know they've been rolling with this one A one B and you know last year one C system, so they <laughs> they need them. That didn't work so yeah. well. <laughs> so they they're, they're just going to need them, and and I, and I think you know we always say like we need one of them to step up and you know kind of take the reins, and we maybe we don't, you know maybe that's not the right way to look at it. You know, Wade seems pretty much content with rounding the hot hand. I I expect him to go back to to Halak and see if he can, you know, kind of consolidate that performance uh, in, in their next game on against Vancouver on, uh, uh, it was that Tuesday, right? I think so. Yeah, I think and if he does, you know, that's great because they're going to be playing this way. This like you called it high event hockey and, and kind of back and forth. They're, they're both going to need to, uh, you know, have their A game basically, you know, night in, night out. If, if the Islanders are going to, you know, keep them, um, they should be, if you look at the team and, as long as you know something really Islanders doesn't happen and like they lose like four players in a, in a week, get really important players to injury, um, they should you know basically be able to play this way throughout the year and get to a, a while, at least a wild card spot. But with the way the Metro is, uh, to get a the first or second, they're gonna need to go the whole season without you know losing four or five games in a row, and that means that one of the you know the, the two goalies are gonna have to uh, make sure that they're you know on on point uh, whenever they're they're the ones wearing the, the the mask for the for the full game. Yeah, um, yeah, no, you, definitely. Again, like you said, the Metro is kind of a gauntlet this year. And after last night's game, um, you know, Garrick mentioned it to me on Twitter. Like nobody in the in the Metro wants to lose anymore, and uh, that's not something the Islanders can really worry about. They need to just keep playing, keep winning. If they stumble, you know, they can't like they can't go on a losing streak. Like you can stumble, you could lose a game. It might not be a huge deal, but you have to string wins together. You can't string losses together. And, you know, eventually somebody's going to break uh, the Devils. <laughs> no matter how how many times people tell me that they're not real, 
they keep winning. So unless they're going to lose 20 games in a row in the second half of the season, they're still there, and they've built themselves quite a cushion. Uh, the Blue Jackets appear to also be real. The Caps are coming on now all of a sudden. Um, the Rangers had won six in a row recently. So, yeah, it's tough. It's a tough division, but you just can't you can't lose back-to-back games. You can't. Mm-hmm. You know, have a, a week where you go one and three or something like that. You can't. You just can't do it. You have to go back and and win games after you lose them, or just not lose them at all. So uh, there you go. Um, while on the subject of the New York Rangers, we have to, we might as well bring up Larry Brooks, who you, <laughs> you brought up just before we came on. So it's like five times a year that Larry writes about the Islanders. It's usually when they do something dumb, or when they are possibly on the verge of doing something dumb, or on the possibility on the verge of doing something. Good. Uh, and in this case, uh, he wrote a piece like yesterday or today, I guess. It, uh, it ran yesterday, but it was for today's paper um, about how now is the time for the Islanders to make a big move. And his big moves included trading for Oliver ekman Larson, And he, he listed like half a dozen guys. I don't know if he plans the Islanders. He thinks the Islanders should trade all of them or some of them or what uh, for the Arizona uh, defenseman who's really good. Uh, he talked about maybe getting an upgrade in goal, but that's probably not going to happen. He talked about Evander Kane, which is just... No, man, no, just not interested. Please, thank you very much. Um, and, you know, just sort of vague Brooksian logic that's like, yeah, they should do this. And it's like, uh, okay, I, I guess, uh, but I don't know. It just none of it seemed all that plausible. And, you know, I appreciate old Brooksy not taking the hatchet to the Islanders like he usually does, but uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure uh, that all of that stuff is actually going to work out. Yeah, imagine your job is you, you know, you wake up and you have this idea where, the Islanders should go out and make a trade and, and you've got like no plausible, uh, you know, sources or, or, you know, Intel that, that this is what's happening. I mean, any, every team in the league would want Oliver Ekman Larson and whether or not it, it makes sense just because you're looking at it, you're saying, Oh, this team is not contending. They're going to need to there for assets. And, uh, the Islanders have the room or whatever. And it, and it looks like a fit, uh, that they're not, you know, they put it in the newspaper despite that just to kind of, fuel some some fan uh fan flames there and uh and, and yeah the are the islanders gonna be you know movers and shakers at the deadline they should be yeah 100 percent. are they gonna trade for oliver ekman larson i wouldn't put the house on it uh, but yeah they, i mean there are definitely gonna be guys out there that, that they, they should and and it's just not gonna be what larry brooks says and the evander kane thing like the, the whole reason the islanders are doing well is because they have two great scoring lines uh the whole john tavares is who's going to play in the wing with John Tavares situation has, has been settled uh, and the results have been awesome. And so where, where is Evander Kane just going to be the, you know, third line, you know, ch- uh, center, uh, I mean, third, third line wing. No, he's not. He's, it becomes whatever team gets him at the deadline is going to put him on their top two lines. The Islanders don't need that right now, you know, knock on wood. So it, you, you look at it, you're like, all right, Larry, like I get it. Yes. The Islanders are going to be contenders and they should be buyers at the deadline, but, uh, no, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't really think, I don't really think you, uh, you, you kind of like, he, he kind of like half-assed it, uh, a little. Yeah. He, uh, he wrote a thing a couple of weeks ago cause it, in reading the one that he, um, uh, the one he wrote this weekend, I rem- was reminded of the one he wrote, let's see, this was on the 20th. So literally last week he wrote that, uh, you know, the Rangers, uh, could, get in create a bidding war for Ryan McDonough, which might get them Mitch Marner from Toronto, Mikhail Sergachev from Tampa Bay, who literally just got traded to the Lightning last summer for Jonathan Druan. Um and oh maybe they could the, the Rangers could go out and try and get Joe Thornton. 
Like none of this is going to happen. It's literally all the same exact stuff. He just changed the names and the teams, uh, and none of it's going to happen. I, I can't imagine. You know, the the whole thing for a while there was uh, the Leafs had had Marner on the fourth line, and it was like, oh my god, what are they doing? What are they doing? And you know, that means they got traded. They're going to trade him. Well, I don't think he's going to get traded. And I certainly don't think the Rangers are going to uh, be able to acquire him for Ryan McDonough. That's I don't think the uh, the Leafs would do that. But um, you know, I don't think Larry's necessarily wrong. But I'm with you. Like their top two scoring lines seem to be pretty set. What they need is somebody who can you know play on the third line and not get caved in every night and and work with. Yeah, it's it's yeah. boring to say it. Yeah, like a Daniel Winnick and your right. Brian Boyle yeah. of the world, Matt Cullen. Yeah. yeah, that's that's probably what. That, the and well, do. If, I would I would love it if they did that. Um, you know, that would mean that probably Anthony Beauvillier, Brock Nelson. I guess there's an outside chance that Hosang might be somebody that goes in that, but I would like to find somebody who kind of works with, especially Hosang because we just like him, um, and could work with one of those guys and then make we take one of those guys, put them on the fourth line, because uh, let's face it, they're not getting rid of Casey Sezikis and Cal Clutterbuck. <laughs> so oh, so that's what I meant to mention too, because Sezikis uh, got hurt a little bit uh, in the game in Ottawa. He didn't play for the rest of it, but uh, we haven't heard anything, so maybe he's okay. But, uh, you know, you figure Sezikis, Clutterbuck, and then Chimera, I just saw on Twitter from uh, uh, the people at uh, Russian Machine Never Breaks, uh, said that he has the most, he has the forward with the most shots in the league with no goals. He has 35 shots this year, which <laughs> if you if you watch him play this year, makes a total amount of sense. So move him off the line, put somebody else there. Again, hopefully they can, you know, get a little scoring and, and Sezikis and Clutterbuck can do their thing. And, you know, that would make the team a lot stronger. And, you know, we, as it's funny because as we've seen with Barzell, Putting him there and giving him giving the Islanders a second line has completely changed how they play, what they're capable of, and there's no reason to think that putting another quality, you know, possession forward on the third line would do it even more to another degree. And that's kind of what I'm looking for, uh, which is not Evander Kane. Let's just put it that way. Right. You think about what what Barzal does. Like, it's, it, you can go, you can write a book on it at this point, like how he changes the team. Like what happened with Tampa Bay. You're when the Islanders play the Lightning, Victor Hedman is going to be blanketing John Tavares. You know, he's white on rice on Tavares. And now once or twice he will be out there against other lines. But when you have a guy like Barzal, Hedman can't, you know, be, he can try and he probably will, you know, play, you know, 30, 35 minutes a game in big games. But, you know, now now you got Barzal going up against, you know, a lesser version of, you know, a lesser defense pair. So it's it's that changes everything and changes the kind of approach the Islanders. You watch, I'm, when you watch the games too, you notice that, how aware teams are now, especially over the past week. I have when Barzal is on the ice, everybody's just looking at him. Whether it's because of you know how, how much fun it is to watch play, I, I don't know, or it's just because um they're they're scared to death of what he's going to do next. And every time he gets the puck, <laughs> it's uh it's crazy, man. You're just watching this whole, uh, you know, like we said, the complexion of the team is completely changed, and all they need to do they have a couple holes they got to plug up, and, and and a lot of times they've had some pretty horrible luck, like they got. Alex Karpitsev, who just didn't want to play for them, and then they had Richard Sednick, who got really hurt, and, and so it's it's uh, but those are the kind of like low key moves that that I'm sure will be kind of what the what they need if if they kind of stay along this this pace here. Hmm. Uh, and Tyler Kennedy, yeah, Tyler How Kennedy. You forget oh, Tyler Kennedy, yeah, Tyler <laughs> Kennedy, <laughs> kind of in that mold, yeah. Um, yeah, so it'll be pretty interesting uh, to see, but you know that that's a long way from now and. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to think too much about that. But then again, maybe maybe God surprises us and strikes 
uh, pretty quickly. Um, the other thing that kind of came about this weekend, uh, although no fault of the Islanders, it just kind of involved them a little bit, was um, uh, Jordan Eberle uh, was interviewed for Sportsnet by Tim Panaccio, who's a longtime Philly writer. And uh, basically he said that, you know, reading a lot of harsh words uh, from the Edmonton media over his time with the Oilers uh, really hurt his confidence. And he likes being an Islander. He he thinks he's got a lot to give here. And Doug Waite just sort of lets him play. He's out of that environment. The media is very different. Media in this case, again, being Arthur Staple. Singular. <laughs> yeah, singular. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a few part-timers that, that kind of pop in and out. I mean, if, if Jordan even know their names, I'd be really surprised, you know, uh, there are people that aren't art, but, um, you know, it, it, he did say it, it weighs on your confidence. And I'm sure if you ask Taylor Hall, he'd probably say the same thing. And I'm sure if you ask Justin Schultz, he would definitely say the same thing. And if you ask whoever gets traded next from the Oilers, maybe Ryan Nugent Hopkins, maybe somebody else, they would definitely also say the same thing. So, um, you know, that, that created like a lot of defensiveness from the Oilers media. Oh man, you gotta be tough. You gotta be you know, again, this is the same group of people that got all mad because Dallas Akins took their donuts out of the media room and replaced it with fruit and vegetables. So, you know, who's who's the tough guy now? Um, but it's just funny to me, again, you know, this happens all the time where people come to the Islanders, they don't know a lot about the team, and they end up liking it for one reason or another, whether it's living on Long Island, whether it's the fact that the media is not crawling up your ass all the time. Um, it's just funny. It's just funny to me that this happens and you know, it's funny to watch like Islander, you know, Oilers Twitter burn while you're just kind of sitting here whistling. And then for t- then for Everly to score the game winning goal in Ottawa makes it even more funny. Yeah, it is fun to be, you know, the Islanders were the butt of the joke. And, you know, people would always talk about the guys they've traded away. And now to kind of be the other way with, you know, Barzal and uh, Everly and then people, you know, adding the Bruins and the Oilers, um, you know, instead of, you know, the Islanders, it's, it's kind of fun. And, it's, it is funny that, you know, the most of the column inches outside of, like, like you said, Staple, uh, you know, when the Islanders get national attention, it hasn't really even been about how good Barzal's been or anything. It's been one of two things. It's been is is or isn't, you know, resigning or the, you know, we've for the arena or it's been about how the Oilers gave the Islanders to Jordan Everly for, for Ryan Stroh. <laughs> so that's it. That's all. So they're still fine, even though they're having a great start and they're probably – back to being that kind of watchable team that they were when they when they lost to the Capitals a couple of years ago in the playoffs. They're one of the most watchable teams in the league again and, and people aren't paying attention to that. They're 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 just enjoying, you know, piling on the Oilers and using the Islanders as the vehicle for that. Uh <laughs> I, just I, what when Clayton Keller was playing the Maple Leafs, everybody was writing about how, you know, this guy's shooing for the Calder and stuff and, and kind of ignoring the fact that Barzal's been lighting it up the past, you know, four weeks and Every time he's on the ice, people's jaws are on the floor. But that's kind of you know how I like it. You know, I don't want we don't want that uh, those expectations to be heaped on people yet. Right. Uh, it's it, yeah. It's and it's funny how you know the the Toronto. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I joked about that on Twitter also that you know all of a sudden all these Keller for Calder stories and Ekman Larson trade stories all pop up and I'm like why is this happening and sure enough they were playing the Coyotes were playing the Leafs that night and sure that's you know the throng descends they all ask you the same 10 questions and they go go back and write their stories all about the same subject and uh it'll happen I don't even know when the Islanders go up there to play uh it's not this month so it's probably next month uh, you know or it's probably in January um and it's going to be the same thing that's when like the Tavera stuff is probably going to come to a head you know, by then somebody will be writing about Barzell. He'll probably be, you know, again, the, either the leader in rookie scoring or the co-leader. And 
and it's just funny how these things sort of work. And and I remember when I, I was first an intern for Stan Fischler, I would read um, Canadian sports writers. At that point, like I read a lot of the hockey news where you could kind of get in these these insider columns and people like Steve Simmons and Damian Cox and, you know, all these guys from around George Johnson, who was in Calgary. And you kind of like, wow, they got all these. It's, it's almost like, you know, peering into another world because I would read about the Islanders and I kind of knew a lot of this stuff and you kind of interested. But then you would peer into this, these outside worlds about Toronto and Calgary and Edmonton. And you'd be like, oh, wow, what's going on over there? But then as you go along and, and especially these days when, you know, there are blogs out there of people without access and, and they're just home people, people at home that that enjoy writing about this and do it in their spare time. It, it makes you wonder, like, what were we getting from those guys? And, and, you know, how necessary is the sort of Sunday columnist? I mean, again, as I joked on Twitter yesterday, Steve Simmons writes a story about Phil Kessel eating too many hot dogs. Meanwhile, you know, our friends at Pennsburg write these sort of in-depth, you know, analytical takes on what Phil Kessel actually does for the Penguins, and which is a little bit more interesting than Phil Kessel eats too many hot dogs, and a story that was debunked, by the way, by our friends at Pension Plan Puppets. You know, again, Simmons writes all these crazy things about the Leafs and who they need to trade for. Meanwhile, the guys at Gals at PPP write these these articles that are so dense analytically that you know it can be a little bit overwhelming sometimes. Um, so it's just a funny, different. You know, it's the way the landscape works, and you know, reading we that. Should have us through. Survivor kind of show, like a reality show with all these comments, like Brooks and all those guys. <laughs> who could survive? Put, put, yeah, who could, who could, you know, they, they each have to hit, they can call it deadline. And they each have to, you know, write one column and, and, and whoever, whoever writes the, uh, the worst gets, gets voted off until we have one left. <laughs> you have like fact checkers, like instead of judges, yeah. you have fact checkers and they can check that stuff out. Um, and, yeah, and it's just kind of, you know, you know, we're lucky in that Staple gives you the way it is on, you know, what's happened with the team. And he gives you some insight into the locker room. He is the first person to say he is not a columnist. It's not his job to call people out and, like, you know, set the organization on fire every week. That's not his job. His job is to report, and that's what he does. And we're all very happy <laughs> that he does because he's he's extremely good at it. We get Marco Fornabio in, in uh, Bridgeport does the same thing. And, you know, we get cool stuff from these guys. And it's just funny that, you know, when they come, these players come here. And I knew, I mean, I'm, I feel like I, we talked about it before, like, Jordan Eberle is going to see the other the light at the end of the tunnel now. He's out of Edmonton, and this is like a totally different media landscape. And he can he can live on Long Island. He can go shopping. I don't know if he's married or whatever, but he can live a normal life and still be an Islander. And uh, whereas in Edmonton, he would not have that, and he would have guys you know from the Edmonton Sun crawling up his ass all the time. So it's it was just a funny thing. And you know, I just it's I, funny too because you go from Edmonton like in a vacuum. If you took somebody who didn't know hockey culture and and what you know Edmonton means to the hockey world compared to, you know, the Islanders. And you're like, oh, yeah, you moved from Edmonton to New York City, and he got out of the spotlight. You know? <laughs> it's, 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 he, moved, he moved from whatever the, the, the yeah. 38th biggest media market in North America to the first, and yeah. somehow he gets... Uh, it's great. This I, is the, I, the, I, the Islanders. Yeah, this is the only way. Playing for the Islanders is the only way in which playing in New York takes the spotlight off of you. And, and, you know, as opposed to playing in, like you said, the 38th biggest market in, in the, you know, the northernmost market in the in North American sports is, uh, you know, a bigger market for hockey than than New York, of all people, you know, is, of all places with uh, a zillion people here. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's really funny. And I, I, I tweeted a little snippet of that story. And, you know, before I knew it, it, it had been retweeted a bunch of times. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize this was going to be such a huge thing, but it apparently was. And, and I'm glad Jordan mentioned it, you know, because it was kind of 
kind of a cool insight into that. And like, these are people, and I know we say that all the time and, you know, I, we say some, some crazy stuff about these people. And I was, again, I was just saying, I hate, hate, hate my team. And now I'm, you know, here I am. Uh, I feel like an idiot because they're, you know, third in the division and, and they're having a lot of fun, but it's just kind of, you have to kind of remind yourself that they're people. And if you get a chance, definitely go on the Islanders site. Cause there's a story there about Matt Barzell living with Dennis Seidenberg, who is a good example of this. Like we, we've, uh. <laughs> we've called out Dennis Seidenberg a lot. He, he's old, he's slow. Islanders would probably be better off if he didn't play that much. But two things I saw this week. One was Barzell living with the Seidenberg family and calling Dennis just a big German monster who could eat him <laughs> and how he's like strong as an ox. Uh, but he loves living with the family and playing with the kids and stuff like that. And he's got to like tell Dennis, you know, no more working out. I can't work out anymore. You're too crazy. I can't do it. It's too late. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> Uh, which is funny. And also um, MSGnetworks.com had a funny video with uh, Seidenberg, Thomas Grice, and Shannon Hogan eating at this German restaurant on Long Island. And uh, it was just cool to see. And like they were talking about how, you know, it's nice to have somebody you can kind of talk uh, your, your language with, especially if you're a German player. There aren't a whole lot of them in the league. And it's nice that they can kind of bond. And they ate some good food, man. I was I was really – I wanted some – Grice had the, the Wiener Schnitzel, which is, you know, the big fried cutlet. And uh, it looked really good. And uh, it was a very satisfying sequel to the uh, Shannon Eats Russian Food with <laughs> Gorovsky and Kuhlman from a couple of years ago. Uh, she should definitely continue doing this. I want to see Tavares at like a Portuguese restaurant. Um, yeah. I don't know. Anybody else? Try and find something. I feel like he, if you took him out to dinner, though, he would just he'd just stick to the uh, stick to the diet. Yeah. Kale. He'd, yeah, give me the kale. Kale, boiled <laughs> chicken. And a smoothie. Yeah. <laughs> He'll have kale. Uh, he'll have kale cutlets with a side of kale and a kale smoothie. That's probably what he's. Uh, he had a great picture, like a very John Tavares tweet, where he was. I guess he was kind of stumping for his maybe his cousin or his friend has a with the bag, the bag, and yeah. it's just, it's just the most John Tavares picture you can imagine. You know, he just he's holding his bag. He's like, really, you know, you could tell he was just like I guess you know the the, the picture that makes the most sense to to put up as like a. A pro bono ad would be him walking, holding the bag, and you mm. see the ninety one, and it's just, yeah. oh, it's just so John. You just look at it, and you're like, yeah, that's, that's my man. His uh, his arms were were super stiff, and it reminded me of the Seinfeld episode where <laughs> where Elaine works with uh, Molly Shannon, and her arms don't move while she walks, and like it looks like she's carrying invisible luggage. <laughs> and then it turns out that's how Raquel Welch dances, and Kramer gets attacked by Raquel Welch. It's a whole thing. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a pretty wild week. But, it, you know, it's, we could laugh about it because the Islanders, have won, again, have won three in a row and, and five out of the last six and, and are playing pretty well. So we can laugh about it. If, Still if, haven't gained any ground in the right, yeah. division. <laughs> I know. But, uh, hey, you, you're staying up there. Keep the pace. Don't don't lose too many games yeah, in a row. And, and, and we have Barzell. I mean, yeah. it's so – it's you know, it felt like kind of just with the holiday and stuff, it's – played like six games in a row uh just because you know when they weren't playing thursday like anybody else in the league and it, it, holidays are kind of a blur sports wise uh, so the next thing you knew they're playing again and, and i used to do, like need days off but now i just like i go on like these barzal uh like i'm fiending them you know i'm, I'm, I'm going through withdrawals <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can't wait to see him. i think i think we should start throwing like like that could be the octopus for the islander fan when barzal scores or does something great and then it's been a goal we can just throw roses on the ice uh, for him, and he can scoop them up and you know take a picture with all of them and get a medal, and then the game could resume. That'd be pretty cool. We need to have just like some kind of streaming service that's just like Barzal TV, 
So it's just like <laughs> looping, you know, plays and like it doesn't have to be goals, just like even entries into the zone or you know, power play time, that kind of stuff. Just just constantly streaming all the time so you can just queue it up whenever you want. Um Yeah, I would love it. So um their schedule um is getting pretty insane coming up. They only have two games this week, which as you said, they haven't gained any ground even by winning games, so I'm sure they're not gonna gain any ground by not playing at all, so nobody freak out because uh, they only have two games this week. They, they really should try and win them both. Uh, they play the Canucks again on Tuesday. They play the Senators at home on Friday, uh, December 1st. And then after that, man, they've got eight games in the next two weeks. They play back-to-back Florida and Tampa Bay on the 4th and 5th. They play at Pittsburgh on the 7th. They're at Boston on the 9th, so that's a tidy little road trip from South Florida all the way up to Boston. And then they're home for the Caps on the 11th, uh, home again on the 13th for the Stars, and then right back the next night in Columbus, which is, I mean, whew, that's going to be a rough one. And then they're at home against LA on the 16th. And then they get two days off to to rest. So this is a huge stretch coming up for them, and, and they really need to, I mean, sounds kind of dumb, but they really should try and think about winning some of these games, uh, especially the road games. Um, you know, some of these teams can be had. Some of them are going to be really tough. I mean, to, to beat Tampa Bay twice inside of a month, is going to be hard to get any kind of ground at all on Columbus is very, very difficult. I mean, the stars, whenever the Islanders play the stars, weird stuff happens. And, um, you know, you never know what Kings team is going to show up the team that couldn't lose for the first month of the season or the team that has having trouble putting a win together in the second month. So, uh, I don't even know what, what is like your best case for this? I know that's, I just threw a lot at you, but like, do you even have (laughs) a best case scenario for this? Uh, Yeah. I'd I'd like them to stay in the, you know, the top three and I'd like to see, um, I guess this has nothing to even do with the Islanders, but I'd like to see the the kind of the Metro kind of fix itself a little bit. And, and no disrespect to like you're saying, like the Devils, uh, people keep saying they're not for real, or whatever. They keep they've been in first place basically all year. Like I'd like to see maybe the Devils come down and like the division kind of figuring itself out a little bit. So so we know uh, you know heading towards New Year's what what and who we're gonna be, what we need again, and who we're gonna be kind of jockeying for position with. Uh, you know as, as we go through that like six week stretch from from New Year's to the the couple weeks before the trade deadline. So it's a it's not a I guess it's not a best case scenario, but that's kind of what I want to see. I want to see the pack kind of separate itself a little bit, so we know uh, kind of the landscape of, of of the metropolitan division, which is unforgiving, <laughs> as uh, as we all know now. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that that makes sense. Yeah, just you know, keep yourself up and like you said in that top three. Um, yeah, separate yourselves. I mean, at this point. Uh, Buffalo and Florida are essentially out of it. Uh, Montreal has absolutely no room for error whatsoever. Um, you know the Hurricanes won today, but there were still like six points out. Uh, they can make that up, but still, you know, let's make sure that they don't. Um, but yeah, so you know, keep yourself up there. And, and like I've been saying the whole time, like just don't don't lose two games in a row. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna lose, it happens. You know, sometimes you get some team gets the better of you. I get it. You know, especially against some of these really good teams. But uh, just don't lose two in a row. You know, if you, if you lose in Pittsburgh on Thursday, hey, that's okay. But you got to beat the Bruins again on Saturday, and you have to, and you know, come back and try and beat the Caps again on on Monday. But just stay healthy. Don't lose two games in a row. <laughs> and um, I don't know. So far, I, I think they can do that, and and no blowouts too. But yeah, let's please let's try and minimize those too. Yeah. We didn't even talk about those. Maybe, but- maybe a couple, maybe a couple games for uh, for Lasca to to really you know put put on another. Good performance or two would be nice as well. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Yeah, get some good goaltending, too. Would be good. So, yeah, there's a lot. So, <laughs> there's yeah, but, a lot. but I think they won what one game, 
where they scored less than three goals or something. And it was the game against Ottawa. Was that the first? Was that? I think so. I heard something like that. Yeah. You I know, mean, like you, you want to see them be able to, to win those type of games. And they did. I mean, they did a good job in yeah. Ottawa. So it's not like I'm, I'm not criticizing them, but, you know, maybe seeing one or two more like that uh, yeah. would kind of instill confidence. Yeah. Especially against a team like Columbus or, uh, you know, even LA, because they're not going to, they're not going to give you much. So you better, you got to make it count. So yeah, the go. Blue Jackets are, uh, Ugh. Yeah. Good, and they have an amazing goalie, and <laughs> they, they are really, really. They're the. They're. I think if if, if you had to, to make a pick, I would, I would say the Blue Jackets honestly would will, will win the division, and I think they might win it by you know ten points or so. Just if if Bobrovsky stays healthy, they're not gonna. They're not going to lose three in a row, four in a row. So. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty. I mean, I I think like a lot of people, we kind of figured that. You know they were I don't know about a fluke, but maybe not quite as good as they were last year. Well, guess what? They they turn out to be better. <laughs> they're just back, <laughs> and they, you know they're just they're very consistent. And they're, they're doing it. I think their their power play is the worst power play in the league by like four percentage points. Yeah, I think it's operating like ten percent. So yeah, but just, that'll fix itself too. Yeah, but they just they're they're relentless, and they they're you know yeah. I, they're just a well oiled machine at this point. I don't know. I don't even know what Tortorella is doing. I don't think he he has to do anything. They just sort of go. Uh, yeah, the key's going to be avoiding them and the Penguins in the first round, and hoping you get the two-three, and it's not one of them. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. the Penguins will inevitably beat the, the, the Blue Jackets in the in the first round. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, if it's one-eight, like if Penguin, if the Penguins kind of stumble and squeak in at the eight, and Columbus is won yeah. the division. So, I'm sorry, Columbus. <laughs> You're good. <cooked. Yeah. laughs> the, the Penguins are going to win game one, like. Two one on a yeah. blue goal, and and that's gonna be yeah. it. And Next some thing you know, you're down to three And some guy who was in Wilkes-Barre the month before is gonna turn yeah, into a freaking yeah. superstar. Exactly. That's that's pretty much the way it goes. But let's not get ahead of ourselves <laughs> too far. Uh, okay, um, so this was good. We had a lot of technical problems, so I'm gonna stitch this together <laughs> and hopefully makes uh, it makes some sense. Uh, tell everybody your Twitter handle again. The, the Big Lebowski with uh, two E's. The Big Lebowski, follow Mike for all of your Yaroslav Halak uh, and Jordan Eberle needs because he, he, that's where he is. Uh, you can follow me at Culture of Losing. Uh, I promise not to get uh, too crazy with my hatred or my uh, my uh, emotions. <laughs> I've learned my lesson, so now i got to be careful. But, uh, yeah, so we'll be back, um, I don't know, sometime around the 17th, I guess, and uh, before you know, we'll preview the games leading up to Christmas and then the Islanders' Christmas break. And, uh Let's see where this goes. Keep your fingers crossed. Hopefully they can uh, make it out of this stretch live. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.